Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. I have some good news. Oh, what is it? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You like start. It doesn't matter that you're eating. It definitely matters that I'm eating. <laughs> Uh, what was the wait on, wait on? Wait on, wait on, wait on. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm going to keep all of this in. <laughs> you said you got good news. Oh, really? What is it? Tell me. I'm so interested. <laughs> wow, how unimpeded your words are by toast. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Less than 10% of the world's population, which is 0.7 billion dollars... Uh, Dollars, which is 0.7 billion people. That's how are... you think about Peter, don't you? That, that's how you think about people, Peter, don't you? God damn it! This is a mess. Less than 0.7 billion people, which is less than 10% of the world's population, are in extreme poverty. Yeah. Which is the smallest number of people in over 200 years mm. and the lowest percentage ever. So a friend of mine, Angus, actually, he runs a great email newsletter called future crunch and they do talks and they do consulting work can i hear about this from you future crunch ah yeah you so good although maybe you might have found it in your own way but yeah he's a he's a friend of mine and we were speaking at a conference together last week i mean the same conference on the same day at different times but yeah he did the (laughs) keynote future crunch is about basically positive news stories yeah, positive news stories, but not just positive news stories because like, hey guys, life is a drag, right? Um, let's be positive. Loo, loo, loo. It's not like nothing bad ever happens. It's like positive news stories. Like there's actually some amazing stuff happening in the world, but you never hear about it because the media isn't, you know, like those stories don't sell. We're not wired to remember them or be really emotionally involved in them. We're just like, oh, that's nice. It's so good. So do you do you get the Future Crunch newsletter? I get the Future Crunch newsletter. It's not my favorite newsletter. My favorite newsletter is the Whippet. Do you get the Whippet? Yeah, McKinley's, yeah. Yeah, the Whippet is so good. The Whippet is uh, McKinley, a friend of ours, was sick of modern politics being like, was sick of going on Facebook in the news and constantly saying Trump, 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 Trump. And so she started a newsletter, which is like, hey, here is positive stuff to tickle your brain. So not like cute pictures of dogs, but like... Here is here is smart, fun articles that, and the rule is no contemporary politics. The tagline is curated news and zero percent contemporary politics. And when I read that, I was like, mm, "I'm in." <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, and and she's now does at the, at the top and tail of every newsletter. She does she does advice at the bottom, and she does just like a story from her life up the top, something she's learned about humankind or herself or her mind. Or, I don't know, she's a really good writer. I've never read any of her writing before. She's such an endearing writer. Mm, it, it, like, she's very, very charming. And so it's my favourite newsletter by far. I recommend it to everyone. If you go to thewhippet.org, you can check that out. I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention that at the sun. And you can also go check out Future Crunch. What's their website? At thewhippet.org. <laughs> I'm just checking what their website is. 
I... It's futurecrunch.com.au. I'm in Australia. Yeah, you are. Look at you. You're in... I'm in Toowoomba. You're in your parents' house. I'm at my parents' house. Which room is that? This is my sister's old bedroom. Well, this is my mum's sewing room is a better way to put it. <laughs> is that the one that's next door? No, no, no. That, that's being hired out. That's being, uh, that's being rented out. This is very tedious to anyone who doesn't know my childhood home. <laughs> and that's what we're looking for. You know, that's what Tedium. <laughs> give the people what they want. <laughs> in, in, instead of curated news, no modern politics, ours is tedium and specific information. That means nothing to people who aren't us. Yes. Lovely. My favorite. Yeah. No, I'm home and Roxy's here meeting my whole fam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How is that? Yeah, really good. They all get along really well. Can I ask That's your... not using pronouns, but other than that, it's going really well. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Everyone else is doing it. So my brother has a partner who is a they. Yes. And Roxy is a he, and so my parents are just like, what did we do to our kids? <laughs> well, can we talk about this? Because I was like, hang on, how does that work with Peter's family? Yeah, so mum is mum is super, super, super making sure to say he. Dad is just saying she. I don't think it's malicious, I just don't think he wraps his, he's wrapped his head around it. Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> both Roxy and my brother's partner are female-bodied, female-presenting. Yeah. And so dad says she, but I don't think he's doing it as a, like, uh, I'm going to correct these people. I think he just actually, like, you know, like, it would, be, it would be nice if he used the correct terminology. He doesn't, and because we're only here for a week, I don't think anyone's making a big deal out of it. I think if we were here permanently, we'd sit down and be like, hey, look, you've got to start using the correct pronouns. But as it is, we're here, like, I leave in 24 hours and won't see dad again for two years. So it's not worth having, like, a an education session. Yeah, because your family is, your extended family is quite religious yeah my, my whole extended family uh, was my granddad was baptist and most of my extended family are other baptists or uniting church and evangelical i guess i don't know it, it's it's different in australia when, when i say evangelical people might be imagining you know mega churches and faggots repent or whatever yeah. whereas in australia being evangelical is just they they believe they're, they're born again they're all born again but they're not dicks about it yeah i because i remember going to i think your grandmother's 90th yeah you did. Yeah. And I grew up really a-religious. Like, that's not completely true. My immediate family, a-religious. Like, it just wasn't a part of the package, really. And... And now you're Muslim. It's so weird. No. <laughs> so when I went to your family's gatherings, I was like, whoa, this is... Like, I don't know. I was like, wow, this is really religious. But I'm not sure that it necessarily... People are saying grace before dinner. No, well, there was all this stuff going on, wasn't there, that, like, you, like, you and your brother are atheist? I'm one of 24 cousins on my dad's side. I have a massive family, and my brother, my cousin Gavin, who I've mentioned a lot on this, and one other cousin, I think, are all atheists, and everyone else is, is Christian. I just remember, so, like, we're at your grandmother's 90th, which was a really big event, and 24 cousins yeah <laughs> there's a photo of the two of us with your family and it's like the worst photo of both of us it's a pretty bad photo do you want me to put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah you can put it in the show notes it's a terrible <laughs> photo um, but <laughs> i was in this thing there's lots of people there and i remember people doing speeches where they were they were saying things like we let god into our heart and we know that if we stray then something something maybe something about eternal damnation i can't remember but like to me that was like a, i was like wow i've never heard someone no, that's, say that's just, that that's just standard religious <laughs> yeah like i've never heard someone say that outside of a like church scenario 
I've never heard someone say that in a like a social gathering setting kind of <laughs> well, thing. Well, like, extended family are religious to the extent of like let Jesus into every part of your life, not just for church, which I kind of respect more than like once a week Christians. Huh. Like if you actually believe, and and I'm I'm heavily atheist. I have no belief that God or, or his pals exist, and. If you are of the belief that, you know, God created us and lives in our hearts and made each of us individually and, you know, then in that case, I think it should fucking take over your life. Like, in the same way as if you believe that there was a snail at the bottom of the ocean who controls your every move and every thought, and if you don't please that snail... Get that snail! Get that snail! He will drag you to the bottom of the ocean and drown you. Yeah, you should be fucking on your best behavior at all times doing whatever the fuck the snail wants. Instead of being like, yeah, I believe in God. I think he doesn't care as long as I rock up for an hour a week. And I'm like, hey, God. And he's like, cool, go away now. Okay, you're done. Like that for me makes less sense. (laughs) So I've been having this interesting thing lately where I don't think I've told you about it. Are you becoming religious? (laughs) No, um, quite kind of like paranoid. About God? A little bit like superstitious. Oh, what? (laughs) Not, Not like in any like major or behavior modifying ways uh, slightly but not in a like uh i don't know there's there's no overarching okay, descri- okay. describe what's actually happening in- instead of failing to describe what's not happening <laughs> it's not um, it's not like it's um not... you know uh... <sighs> so this is this is like a new this is a new thing for me exciting i will i will give you an example all right so a little while ago was Anzac Day. Yep. And there was an Anzac Day march thing, which happens. And my sister's boyfriend was in the march because he's in the Navy. He had to be there. And so my sister had invited me to go to the to the parade. And then my boyfriend, <laughs> we're kind of, my boyfriend's dad had said like, hey, you're not going to that Anzac Day parade. Apparently there might be a terrorist attack there. And then my boyfriend was like, oh shit, I hope SJ's not going to that <laughs> parade. And it was like, called me and was like, hey, you're not going to that parade, are you? Because now I'm anxious that, that something bad's going to happen. This was not long after, like, there was a string of things that happened overseas. You're looking at there's, me with... There's always a string of things that happen overseas that describes every day in the history of mankind. I know, but like widely publicized sort of things awful things happening okay yeah particularly in london your face it makes me feel like i don't want to tell you this story you could be a little bit kinder with your eyes right now you're taking a very long time to tell a story i don't think i'm gonna like okay so anyway turns out my sister is going to this march i'm not going to this march well if your sister's there you don't need to be there that's how twins work that is how it works exactly we you just, can just see everything each that she memories, sees. Yeah, at the end of the day. <laughs> it's like a much more fleshed out Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the plot of the Midwich Cuckoos. I have no idea what you even said, <laughs> let alone what that is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I am telling this story badly. Okay, so my sister's going to this thing. I have been planted the seed of maybe something bad would happen, which is actually just, I think, a thing that maybe the Herald Sun put out into the world every time any major event is happening. Yeah. I looked it up and the news story was, is there going to be a terrorist attack? Maybe. The rule of headlines <laughs> is, if the headline is a question, the answer is no. <laughs> 
anyway, I was I was anxious about it, and so I was like, well, I should check whether my sister's going because if something does happen, I'll feel bad that I didn't call her. And so then I called her. I was talking to her on the phone, and I was like, yeah, she was going, and I was like, okay, well. Was it last episode or two episodes ago that you made fun of me for sharing every single part of a story? Yeah, no, it was not that long ago. You're right. <laughs> I know, but like the thinking is important. The thinking is important because okay, like yep. there's, it it like ma- it like makes a bunch of sense. I really and then not complete sense. I, I don't want this to happen. But on one hand, I do want this story to end with your sister dying, so that the story actually has content. Fuck off! Fuck you! Don't even say that. Did she die? No- what the fuck? <laughs> okay, so... I like the idea that she did and this is how you chose to tell me. <laughs> like, you haven't mentioned it until now. It's not been on Facebook. You're just like, I'll wait till I'm recording and then I'll tell a 45-minute story that leads up to... So my sister's shush, dead. Shush, 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 shush. I really don't like, like talking about people maybe dying. See, this is one of the things. Jesus Christ. Like, anyway. What happened to um, you? <laughs> Um, so on the phone to my sister and I'm like, okay, well now I'm on the phone to my sister. Now, at this point, she's not dead. She's in, at this point of the story. She's, she's not, not dead. dead. In, I'm just going to give it to you. She's not dead at any point of this story. <laughs> just like, just so you know, never dead in this story. Spoilers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This was building up to be the sixth sense of 2017. That level of, oh my God. What happened? Anyway, so on the phone to her, I was like, well, I'm on the phone. Something still might happen. I better pay attention in this phone call because <laughs> if I'm not paying attention and something happens, then I'll feel really bad that the last conversation I had with her, I wasn't really paying attention, right? So that the most telling part of this story right now is that your typical phone conversations, you don't pay attention because you're like, they're probably going to live. I don't have to listen no, to the things that they say. No. It's just that me and Amy, like, have a habit of being on the phone with each other when we're not really paying attention. So, like, she was not paying attention to me, just so you know. She wasn't paying attention to me, not properly. Um, but, so, yeah, it, anyway, I love my sister's use of phones. Um, <laughs> in... <laughs> And then I was like, I had this feeling like, so if I don't pay attention sh- and she dies, that would be awful. And then I had this feeling of like, but wait, well, if, if you do pay attention, she dies, that's fine. <laughs> that's the best case scenario here. I won't feel as bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. But like, I'll feel bad about all the other ways in which I didn't live up or whatever all that like but you can walk into her funeral with a smile on your face knowing that you did your best yeah in on that phone call not in general (laughs) just on the phone call (laughs) anyway then i had this feeling like if i don't pay attention in this phone call something will happen does that make sense like that's where it's like that's where it's like Oop, you just jumped over a little bit there. You did, yeah. You, you, jumped, you jumped into... <laughs> yes, I, I understand what you're saying. Do you want validation? Is that what you're after here? Oh, I don't need you to, like... I don't need anything from you except for you to be nice. That's it. What if I pay attention? That way, if you die, I'm in the clear. Exactly. I mean, anything could happen at any moment. Your sister could be dead. You don't know for sure that she's not dead right now. Um, It's a twin thing, I know. <laughs> Okay, you, you're getting to the crux of the story, I really goddamn hope. Oh, 
No, no, no. So that's oh, that's like it. A, no, no, no. That's that's just an example of the thinking. And then I'm like stuff like that, but quite often. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. You know why humans do that, yeah? Well, I have my own theories, but I'm curious to hear yours. Well, humans are... The reason that humans are so good at shit is that we can spot patterns. And mm. we have a highly refined pattern-spotting part of our brain. So, you know, if, if you go down to... The, if, if you're a, a quote-unquote caveman and you go down to the ocean and you notice that at certain times of day the, the water is quite high and certain times it's quite low, you spot that pattern and you internalize it. And that's super useful for, for knowing not to build your house when the water is low because you recognize the pattern of the water is going to come in and your house is going to be underwater. Your house is going to die. Or you might notice that every time someone eats a certain type of berry, they die. Maybe don't eat that kind of berry. Or, you know, certain birds travel a certain way every time and so you can catch the birds by blah, blah, blah. Like humans have got this incredibly over overdeveloped sense of pattern spotting, which is really, really great in many ways, but also leads us to making up patterns where there are none. So, for example, you light a candle at night and in the morning the sun comes up and you do that, you know, ten times in a row and you're like, oh, cool, every time I light this candle, the sun comes up in the morning. Therefore, me lighting this candle is what makes the sun come up in the morning. Correlation, not causation, my friend. Right, exactly. We're very, very, very good at that. And that is the origin of, of all superstition and all religion, frankly. It's that, hey, I... Pr- and, well, the other thing that we do, which is kind of counter counteracts that, is... Oh, what's the term? Uh, when you only notice a thing when it... Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias, thank you. Uh, so, you know, I, I light a candle and I catch a big gazelle that night. The next night I light a candle and I don't catch a gazelle, but that, that's, an, that's a one-off. That's an aberration. That doesn't count. Or more relevantly, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you have this really awful feeling and the next morning you find out that your parents have died and you're like, oh, I knew, I knew that they were going to die. That's what that awful feeling was. But you don't remember the 16 other times you had an awful feeling and nothing happened. Yeah, I was going to say that when I was younger, I did have a dream that my grandma would die and then she did die. But I don't think that that hasn't carried on. <laughs> but like, and it, it, that one time. It's the way that we're built. We remember when something crazy happens and we ignore when something mundane happens. So you don't notice the 20 other dreams you've had about family members dying because it didn't happen. Like when I was in primary school, I had a dream that my best friend's girlfriend was going to break up with him and start dating this other kid. And then two months later it happened. And I was like, mom, mom. And she's like, yeah, okay, kid. Like, shut the fuck up. And she hit me with a brick. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> I've met your mom. Uh... <laughs> she's so lovely. <laughs> she's not hitting me with a brick. No, no. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, like, I too have had dreams that have come true. I've had way more dreams that never came true. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose what's interesting is that some of these thoughts are, like, quite... Irrational? No, I would say, like, in my face, if that makes sense. So you're you're worried about the weight that your mind is putting on these thoughts? I'm not actually really worried. You're aware of the weight that your mind is putting on these thoughts? It's just, like... It's like a fear response. It's always, if you don't do this, X bad thing will happen. So it's like, just like, <laughs> but so what I find interesting is that I now date someone who has experienced similar stuff, who has like been through talking to, you know, psychics. No, I was going to say like obsessive compulsive type stuff 
like right, therapies okay. and blah, 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 blah. I get so nervous talking about this stuff because my big fear is that someone I'm loving, I'm really close to suddenly gets religious or superstitious because I just have no respect for it. Like I just... Oh, sure. We were at the midwife the other day, Roxy and I. We have a midwife. She's very, very lovely. She's really great. And Roxy talks about this particular pain that he's been having. And our midwife was like, oh, you know what's going to be really good for that? These homeopathic medicines. And writes us, like, writes down the name of the specific homeopathy that we need. And I don't know if you know anything about homeopathy, but it is the biggest crock in the history of medicine. I know like, very little about homeopathy except water memory. And I don't even really understand how that works. Okay, so homeopathy works like this. You take the essence of a plant. So, like, maybe one drop of the plant's sap or one leaf or something like that. And then you dilute it in water at a ratio of 1 to 10,000 or 1 to 100,000. Then you take a drop of that water and dilute it again at a ratio of 1 to 10,000 or 1 to 100,000. Every time you do that, the Hmm. effect of the essence of the plan gets more and more powerful. I feel like there must be more to the story than that, because that doesn't make sense. No, that, that, that's, that's seriously it. It's not true. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't actually, but the idea is that it gets more powerful. No, but the thing is that, like, so you know this thing of, like, the fundamental attribution error? You're worried I'm strawmanning. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I, I actually don't know what that means. I said no, but I don't know what strawmanning means. S- strawmanning is constructing a strawman argument that you can beat down. So if I was like, all Republicans want to force uh, people to to get pregnant and have babies and that would be a really easy thing to argue against or or all liberals want every woman to have an abortion yeah sort of that but not really it's more just like so this stuff makes sense to some people and i just don't understand yet how but i would be curious to know how if that makes sense it's something that i've particularly thought about in the last a uh, year or two it ha- it's very helpful in uh close relationships when you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and then you're like, okay, so whatever this person is doing, it makes sense to them. I just don't understand it yet. Right. And that helps me not be like, what the fuck? And I'm just like, wait on, how? How? So Roxy writes down this homeopathic remedy and we leave the doctor's office and I am on fucking tenterhooks. I am, I am so cautious. I'm like... So, are you thinking of get? I didn't. I didn't do in that patronizing voice, but I was very like. So. So, are you thinking of getting that homeopathy thing that she recommended? And Roxy's like, "Fuck no, that's ridiculous." So I was like, "Oh, thank Christ!" Because I am married to and having a child with someone who, if they turned out to be super into homeopathy, I would struggle. Like, I do not know how I would cope with that. You just have to double down on it. Just become homeopathy myself. <laughs> Get a degree. And so when you're talking and you're like, so yeah, I, I I knew that something bad would happen unless I talked to my sister on the phone. That's not what you're saying, but it would be that very easy for that to be I'm the saying. conclusion of that story. Oh, do you want me to tell you how I make sense of those experiences? Yes. That but again, I'm, I'm so fucking nervous because I'm like... Cool. All right. I think that you'll be okay with it. Well, I love you. Like, you are one of my favorite people in the world. And the entire time we were together, I loved the fact that you were always reasonable. Like, that is probably, beyond all else, the number one thing that I need in a partner. I need someone who is reasonable and open to being reasoned with and able to talk about stuff. And even in our worst times, even when we were both fucking miserable. (laughs) Lovely, lovely memories. (laughs) We could always sit down and talk about it and be like, I see things from your point of view and you see things from my point of view. And that was beautiful. Like That that was the best thing about our relationship. Not quite, but like that was a a necessary building block for the relationship that we had. And so that's why I'm like, okay, I'll hear it. But I just really don't want it to be like, so now I'm into psychics. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm into Kyrian skincare routines. That's been my 
<laughs> You've told me about that, yeah. <laughs> I I actually like we've talked about this. I get really obsessed with stuff as a way of like giving my brain a break, or at least that's my current theory, is to like learn all this stuff about this very specific niche thing. Yeah. Just go all in on a less important topic. Yes. So now I know the difference between an emollient and a humectant and what an <laughs> AHA, BHA is and why hydrolonic acid is really great moisturizer. Well, that's similar to how I got into game design and why I played so much Soulforge. Because when you and I were having our fightiest fights, I would just like switch off by going online and playing Soulforge for five hours straight. And then when I burned out on that, I'd sit, out, sit down and, and design entire games. Like Dracula's Feast, which I kickstarted last year, that came about because it was an amazing three-day distraction from our train wreck of a relationship. <laughs> so I finally actually, after like hours and hours of research, finally bought a bunch of Korean skincare and I've been using it for the past <laughs> week and I can't believe you haven't said anything. Look at how amazing my skin is. <laughs> Did I ever tell you how fascinated I got with pheromones? I thought they weren't really a thing that worked. Oh, they're not a thing that works. But just like religion, there are entire forums of people who are convinced that they work and will discuss it at excruciating length. Yeah. So pheromones are things that are emitted by animals to attract each other. And there are people who genuinely 100% believe that someone has cracked the code of the human pheromone and they'll sell it as a perfume. And the thing that got me, like the thing that blew my mind with this is I went on a forum once and someone was like, guys, made a huge mistake. I put two squirts of this pheromones on. Bad idea. My entire day, like women would not stop staring at me and like I had to fight off co-workers and all this kind of thing. And I was like, wow. People not only believe that this is a thing that works, but they're like, this is a thing not to be trifled with. This is too dangerous for the common man. That was what really blew my mind. I wonder if he just had like something on his face. (laughs) Well, it's got to be at least partially, what's it called? Um, Placebo effect. Like, I think having a pheromone on probably does something in that you believe that it's doing something. I keep on learning between pheromone and pheromone. Yes, I know. And it's just really cute. (laughs) Because I just, like, it sounds really like I can't stop thinking of gnomes wearing pheromones. (laughs) Being like, I'm going to attract a mate. Do you know one of my superpowers is coming up with mnemonics? I don't know what a mnemonic is. A mnemonic is a little, like, way of remembering something. So, like, port is left on a ship and starboard is right. And I remember that because Mm. port and left both have four letters. Sure. So that's a mnemonic. That's just a way of remembering which one is left and which one is right. Oh, okay, I get it. Yes, okay. So, pheromones will make you moan. That's how I'm going to remember that. Okay. Wait, moan is the correct one, yeah? Yeah, it's pheromones. Okay, good. Pheromones make ladies moan. There we go. Oh, sorry. Bam. No, I got it wrong. It's pheromones, Peter. Fuck off. Because I can write one for either direction, and it's the worst when I accidentally do that. <laughs> My superpower, it's too powerful, SJ. It's, it's too much for, for one man to have. <laughs> <laughs> My friend was telling me that she's been working at this place, that she hasn't been working there that long, and someone she's working with keeps mistaking her last name. It's almost sort of similar to being Lizard, except not. Her last name is Gazard, and it's, it's not Lizard. <laughs> and she said someone she works with keeps, like, accidentally getting it wrong. But because they second-guess themselves, they're like, no, it's not the one that I think that it is. Like, so the... <laughs> <laughs> so, you want to hear about how I currently make sense of my anxious ideas? 
I also want advice on how I can use my mnemonic superpower, because I have all these useful mnemonics that no one else has access to. I wrote a bunch of ones for my math class in high school, and I'm like, kids worldwide should have these. They're so useful. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I will think on that. (laughs) I don't know that you will. And get back to you. Okay, here's here's a freebie. On a graph, you know how there's the x-axis and the y-axis? Yeah. A capital Y looks like an arrow pointing down, so you know that's the up-down one. An X is a cross. It's a cross, and an X is a cross. Have you ever considered becoming a maths teacher? I taught my maths class in high school. You were asking how you could utilize these skills. Have I ever told you about this? Do you want to hear about the end of my story? You sound (laughs) like you don't want to. (laughs) When I was in high school, my... I was in the advanced advanced math class and our teacher's son died. And so he took three weeks off and we got a substitute teacher in because it was super advanced math and the the substitute teacher didn't really know what we were doing. So I taught the class for three weeks. Did you know that? No. Yeah. You weirdo. Fantastic. I used to really piss off, particularly one of my teachers. I don't think he really knew the subject he was teaching he wasn't a substitute, but he just didn't know it so well. Isn't it a mind-blowing thing in high school when you find a crappy teacher and you're like, but they're a teacher. They're meant to know things. They're an adult. And because we were doing, this was in VCE, so this is like the last years of school, I felt like there was like an ethical imperative to let everyone know when he was wrong. Like, as in, it wasn't just like, hey, Mr. I'm not going to say his name. You can't, that is not a... Uh, like, as in, I wasn't just showing off, like, hey, everyone, actually, you'll find. I was like, um, actually, we're going to do an exam, and it's going to be it's really important, important that we have the right answer. And I was like, what he said is not correct. Just so you know, um, the, the text, page 197. <laughs> yeah. My high school film and TV teacher thought that Peter Weir and Peter Jackson were the same person. I don't know who Peter Weir is, but he could be the same person as Peter Jackson. The Truman Show, Picnic Hanging Rock. Uh, and she also thought that Greece was filmed in the 50s. It was filmed in the 70s. It was set in the 50s, but she thought it was filmed in the 50s. It was the worst. I have a question for you. Yeah. How did you resolve Thank your superstition you. thing? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So um, <coughs> I would say not resolved, unresolved, but I have come to a resolve. Okay. Is that helpful? You've not resolved it, but you've come to a resolve. Got it. Yes. So one thing I've noticed is... I have more kind of anxious thoughts like this when I'm in stressful situations and when I'm really anxious. So this is probably a whole podcast episode, but I have never known you not to be in a stressful situation or anxious. Like that, that is your default state of being. Yeah. So when you say a stressful situation or anxious, do you mean particularly for you or just all the time. any day? Okay, right. So this particularly happens all the time. No, 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 no. It's related to what I'm doing. So like, for instance, I'm usually pretty standardly a bit stressed. But if I'm like going to a conference and I'm about to do a talk or if I'm like getting on a plane and I'm going to do some work that I'm really nervous about, like I actually do a lot of work outside or on the borders of my comfort zone. I was thinking about this and... For you, being constantly stressed is sort of a superpower because having a creative career is just ludicrously stressful. We've talked about this at length. It is such an incredibly dumb and stressful thing to do. <laughs> Don't and do you're it. stressed all the time anyway, so you might as well. Like, if, if you had a, a quote-unquote normal life, 
you would be just as stressed, but about way more mundane things. Like, you would no. be freaking out about going to PTA meetings or, like, the gardener being late. And I, I genuinely believe... Oh, you're not going to like this. I genuinely believe uh, your stress levels would be at the same height. Um. Like, your peaks and troughs would be there in the same quantity and frequency that they are now. So you might as well, you know... May as well just, like, double down on that anxiety. Fucking yeah, go for it. You're going to have it anyway. You might as well put it to amazing use. <laughs> Yeah, so th- what's interesting is that now I actually do think about it more that way. So I think that I don't know how I would be if I had a more normal life just because I think that that would bring about different challenges. I'd probably still have as much like, ah! but probably from the other side, like as in I'm not doing the You're... things I really want to be doing or whatever. Right, no, but, but I'm saying even if you had no creative drive in you. See, that's just not it's not me anymore. Right, right, but I'm, I'm, bear with me. <laughs> it says it has stopped being me. If you had a creativectomy where they removed creativity, but you were still SJ in every other way, you would have the same level of anxiety and fears now that you do about creative works, but they would be about your plants dying or about you would build some other monstrosity of a life where you were like, okay, I'm going to have two kids and they're going to go to this school and they're going to do this and you'd plot it all out and you'd use your... Your workflowy app to, to apply, <laughs> you'd use Google Drive to cross reference the next 20 years of your kid's life, and anytime anything went slightly off, you'd be just as stressed as you are now on a different subject. Or if you didn't have kids, you'd do it about your cats. Or if you didn't have cats, you'd do it about buying a house. Like, I don't like that comparison. You are correct. <laughs> I, um, I think, but the stuff that causes me stress isn't that kind of stuff so much. Well, no, that, that's because you've, you've found something more stressful to replace it. I'm saying <laughs> yeah. if, if you peel that layer of stress away, the next layer just bumps up. <laughs> well, yeah, it's all like... It's like a vending machine. If, if, you, if you order the front thing, another one comes and replaces it and it's in the exact same spot. Well, it's like as soon as I have any time, I'm like, let's put more things in it. Um, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, I just wouldn't be the same person at that point so I think it's hard to say what I would be like but I don't imagine myself getting stressed about that kind of stuff like I've always been most stressed about like more existential kind of why am I here what's the meaning of life type of questions right and they don't go away when you stop leading a creative life exactly I would just have them in a different context but they wouldn't be like the examples you're giving sound a little bit trivial or superficial. No, you absolutely do get stressed about non-existential stuff. Totally. But at the core, absolutely it's do. very respectable existential stress, just so you know. If God himself came down and said, I am going to solve all these existential crises for you, I think you would just transfer that stress to the next level. I mean, that's not a world we exist in. And I think that (laughs) existential stress is part of the human condition. So I don't know what the other option is. So (laughs) anyway, I was going to tell you. Yes, please do. (laughs) How I've been really getting into, uh, what's something, Reiki? Is Reiki a thing you like or don't like? Wait, uh, weren't you telling me about how the resolve? Yeah, the that's the resolve. Oh, you wait. So the res. What was the problem? I've forgotten now. It's been so long. <laughs> no, that's not the result. In oh. um, <laughs> no, I would just wanted really to see a reaction. You. you were like, uh, oh, I was okay. like, fuck! I've lost the thread of this conversation entirely. <laughs> I didn't realize whatever it was could be a result. Was that superstition? Huh? Okay, cool. Go on. 
I was talking about being paranoid and anxious. So I'm more paranoid or have like magical thinking. I think magical thinking is a good... That's um, a really good descriptor. Descriptor. Uh, when I'm stressed. And I'm generally a bit stressed, but particularly when I'm stressed because I have to do something like do a talk or whatever, that's when... I'll be like quite particular. So when you move past the background noise of existential stress and you go into the logistical stress that I was talking about, that's when it comes into play. Sort of. I mean, so what's funny is that previously I used to relate to these kinds of thoughts as like the one who knows or your intuition, if you will. So like sometimes I would be like, oh, I'm going to listen to what my intuition wants when I go to the supermarket and I'll work out, walk out with like five packets of meagering and a bottle of lube and nothing else. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you, intuition. You did a great job. That is going to be a fun night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> and sometimes I do that as a way of just sort of like trying to listen to myself or calm my mind a little bit, just like see what I'm drawn to in like a supermarket context. Anyway, that kind of voice thing has, I think, transferred into this thing of being like, there's a right answer, it's this, you're not doing it kind of a thing. Yeah. Which is interesting because the thing that was like this calming presence is now this like actually slightly haunting presence. I went through the exact same thing. When I was a teenager, I really liked, for whatever reason, uh, when I looked at the clock and it was a certain time, I think it was it was 55. Like when, when the numbers ended at 55, I was like, I really like that. And it went over the course of like two years, it went from, I really like that to whatever I'm thinking at the time that I look at that, that is the thing that I have to do to every time I look at a clock, a digital clock, and it's showing an even number, I don't do the thing. And every time it's showing an odd number, I do do the thing. It's a, it's a terrible path to go down, but it's very easy to. Yeah. So you get this, right? Like, yeah, you absolutely. Get this. Like two things. One, I've noticed that, and I've really realized this recently, the more stressed I get before something usually the better I perform. So freaking out is kind of part of the process of doing good work for me. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Uh, I feel like it's a danger. We've talked about this before. I think like it's a dangerous trap to, to take that as definitive truth. Oh, no, I'm not like, bring it on. Let's freak out. All I mean is just like before I'm about to talk at a conference, to host something or whatever, Usually the night before, I'm very, I'm like, ah! Correlation, not causation. Ah, sure. But I know that when I don't freak out as much, it usually is because I am not, don't really care as much. And then I don't really do as well. Right. But like, did you freak out before this podcast? No, but I don't think that this is like a work of art. I'm not like, (laughs) yeah, I... Unlike, unlike talking at a conference, which is real art, that's where art lives and dies. No, obviously that's not where art lives and dies, but... I don't know, I, I, think, I think this has been a really good episode. I think this is a really good podcast. Anyway, all I've learned is that I get stressed about stuff, and that when I get stressed, it's usually because I care and because I want to do good work, and that I need to value that stress. So it means that now when people ask me to do work and particularly when people are asking me to do paid work or, you know, like I'm thinking about that in terms of the level of stress of the thing, not just my time. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're valuing the emotional labor energy that you put yeah. into it, not just the yeah, emotional exactly. labor. That's a way better way of putting it. You're valuing the emotional labor that you put into it, not just the time spent on it. 
Yes, exactly. See, I've, I've heard all of Starving Artists, so I've heard you discuss these concepts in length, and I'm like, yeah, this is not new, but this is not Starving Artists, is being honest with me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's been quite new for me, particularly because there's another way of interpreting that, which is like, oh, I suck, I get really stressed, and it means that it takes me more time or energy or whatever to do something that someone else could do without getting that stressed and... I should try and like... I should value my work less because, yeah, no, no. Yeah, exactly. That's a dangerous way of thinking. Yeah, there's another way of looking at it, which is like, I get stressed, but I'm also very good at what I do. So part of why I get stressed is because I really, really dislike doing mediocre stuff. Yeah, you want to charge for your high standards. Yeah. When someone pays you, they're not just paying for the thing you make, they're paying for the fact that you are going to make sure it's the best thing you can make. That's the same reason I could charge so much with erotica. I charge an exorbitant amount to write erotica because I will write the best story I can and then send it to you and I will do an entire redraft with all the changes that you want Yeah. so that you get the story that you want. So, like, yeah, you're paying a lot for something that I might be able to whip out in four hours, but you are getting the product that you really, really want. And it's interesting to try... Like, I did I did a gig recently where I quoted them and then I ended up getting paid quite a lot less than what I originally quoted. But I was just... I'm still experimenting with how to have those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Like, how to negotiate and stuff. So, I'm just... I'm really in it to get practice yeah, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, sure. yeah, And I ended up doing the gig and I was really like, I really, really was so nervous about it. It went so well. Like the feedback was just so, so, so good. And it made me go, actually, you know what? That original price that I quoted, I am worth that amount of money because this work that I did is really good. And previously I would have been like, that's ridiculous to think that you're worth that amount of money. But when I look at like actually how much time I spent and energy I spent on that thing and then how good it turned out, I was like, actually, no, that is actually worth it. Yeah. If you consider how differently that gig could have been done. Many people came up and were like, I've been to many things like this and most of the time they suck. You did an amazing job of that. So if people do want to hire you, how should they get in contact? (laughs) This episode is is sponsored by Honor Eastley Speaking Gigs. (laughs) I mean, they can email me if they want to. (laughs) They can email me. Anyway, I just want to make that point because I made that point with a friend of mine who's creative and she was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, because that thing where you wake up at 6 a.m. and you're like, fuck, actually, fuck, that is work. Like having to hold all of that in your brain and all the stress of that in your brain is work. Um, But it takes a while to like consider that work or it's taken me a while anyway. So how I resolve this question of the superstitious thing is, and this was super helpful and I came to this through talking to my boyfriend about it. We're like, actually this thing, my brain is like telling me there's a right answer here. It's like saying, this is what you need to do, and it's very black and white, blah, blah, blah. I think of those thoughts as being like my brain wanting stuff to be clear and wanting things to all make sense and line up. Does that make sense? Your brain wants a solution. Yeah, exactly. My brain wants a solution as well. It's very useful with creative stuff because I'm always like, I don't go in being like, is there an answer? I'm like, okay, the process of making this creative thing is the process of finding the one correct answer. 
And going in with that attitude is actually super helpful for then coming up with the best thing that you can come up with. Sure, but I don't find that that approach isn't very useful for, like, your life. Because the reality is, like... Shit's complex. (laughs) The reality is that the world is immensely complicated beyond any one person's ability to comprehend. I think my summary was was better. (laughs) (laughs) We can't. We cannot. Shit's complicated. Oh, man, I fucked up our own tagline. (laughs) The world is... The world is beautiful and fucking complicated and your best friend could die at any moment. I mean, we're definitely in a privileged situation where that is very unlikely to happen. But, you know, like anything could happen and you are aware that you have so much and that it could all change at any moment. We need a little DJ desk with a button that just goes, shit's complicated. Shit's complicated. So I think of those thoughts as being just like there's this like actual groundlessness and this is from Pima Children, who I've been reading a bit of. There's like a groundlessness to existence. Like as in, there isn't anything completely that you can definitely always will be there and hold on to. That is like the undercurrent, ever-present, just bubbling along anxiety of being alive. And that's why people turn to religion. Because religion is like, nope, there's an answer. Here it is. Package, book, read, church, done. Well, I mean, I have not really gotten into anything like that but that to me i'm saying that's that's why people do yeah exactly but the thing that i find interesting and this is probably where where we differ on this is that how you think about the narrative has a great effect on your life so whilst you're like no you're more like religion is stupid and i don't think like that i'm like how does it serve people no, I also have that point of view. I don't want to go into a 40-minute discussion about religious because we need to wrap up. Okay. Uh, no, my, my views on the, on the topic are more nuanced than that. The last thing I want to say is I want to quote The Whippet just to explain why it's my favorite newsletter and it's kind of relevant, which is in the most recent issue, McKinley talked about someone she'd been reading, I can't remember who, who said, instead of living every day like it's your last day, live every day as if it's everybody else's last day what would you want them to have on their last day? So this is like when you were talking about listening to your sister on the phone. Yeah. You know, you'd want to hear what they say. You'd want to not talk bad about them. Why would you talk poorly about someone who's about to die? You want to not be rude to them. It's just a really nice attitude. Also, I just like, particularly if there's like a tetchy, like customer service situation or whatever, I'm like, I'm just going to pretend this person's going through an awful breakup or something's happening. I don't know what's happening in that person's life, but that's how I... This week's outro is from Anne Palmer. Oh! Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and tell your friends. Cats are my favorite pets. Well, Anne is right. Cats are... (laughs) The only true pet. Oh, fuck off. Jesus. No. <laughs> no. I'm staying with my mum at the moment who has cats. It's the worst. It is absolutely the worst. <laughs> uh, we have a Twitter account. If you go to twitter.com slash honestwithmyx, you can follow us as we send articles back and forth and we link to the podcast every week. We have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash beinghonestwithmyx. It's a really lovely little discussion group and I post a link to the podcast every week. What else do we have, SJ? Uh, well, we're doing some live shows soon. 
we are doing... Well, by the time this goes up, we might have done the live shows. <laughs> I was going to edit in the, the stuff about the live shows because I don't know when we're going to do them. Hello, BMX Bandits. Peter from the future here. We do indeed have live shows coming up. They are on the 4th and 7th of September. That's Monday the 4th and Thursday the 7th, starting at 7.30. Doors open at 7. And afterwards, we're going to go out for drinks. So come along to those. All of the details are in the description. Or you can just hit up beinghonestwithmx.com slash live. We hope... Hope to see you there. Back to the past. Uh, the other thing is that you too can send us an outro, just like the lovely Anne Palmer did. We love getting outros from people and we put them at the end of episode and SJ normally says nice things about them. Not this time, because she just hates Anne. We were talking Anne. about cats. Hates Anne Palmer. Anne Palmer, you hear that? I like you. SJ thinks you're a cunt. No, 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 no. Uh, the voice is just saying, just steer clear of Anne today. Because uh, she's gonna otherwise die. you might spill water on your computer. Like for, but for Anne's safety, for Anne's safety. Are you worried Anne's gonna get electrocuted by your computer? Or no, just like stop talking. See, it's like don't even talk about it. That's Jesus too close Christ. to the bone. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, if you do send us an outro, we will predict your death. That's the promise. Um, <laughs> no. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Sarah's twin, who lived a good life. Don't even stop it. <laughs> Okay, don't even stop it. Got it. (laughs) Loud and clear. Uh, And also to SJ's boyfriend, who, while we were recording this, was tragically hit by a bus. No, really stop it. Is now in heaven with SJ's twins. So that's delightful. They've found each other at last, without SJ getting in the way here on Earth. Oh my God, I hate you. We were going to do live shows, but by the time I get there, they'll probably be dead shows, because I don't think I'll be... I don't think I'll make it down down to Melbourne. You are... You know, like... Oh, you are fucking awful. <laughs> it's interesting because, like, part of the thing with obsessive thoughts is, like, because they're so fearful, they feel really important and... And you put undue weight on them? Yeah, and so then you're afraid of them. So actually, probably what you should do, you know, like, what you should do is be like, what I do in my own head is I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a scary thought. You're just, like, trying to deal with the fact that the condition of human life is low-level anxiety and you want something to be correct. Okay, Okay, brain. Sorry that that's not the case. I'm a big believer in exposure therapy. That's what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you're not very good at it. <laughs> I bet you wish I was dead, don't you, SJ? Yes. <laughs> I will talk to you if I'm still on this green earth next week. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye.